Hello again. This is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. Thank you for joining us as we study and learn how to glorify God. If we want to serve God, our hearts must be near Him. But what does that mean? Open your Bibles with me and let's learn about having hearts near to God. I want to begin by showing you a passage that in my recent study, frankly, has just kind of frightened me. Psalm 73, verse 27 says, For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. That is a frightening verse. All those who are far from you will perish. And you have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But it goes on and provides some comfort. It says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell all of your works. There's a contrast. Those who are far from God are going to be destroyed. But those who are near to God, that is the refuge. That is the the strength. That is the, the tower. That's what's going to... Help us make it through this life and help us make it into the next, into eternal life. And as we consider this contrast, I think suddenly we recognize the absolute most important thing right now for us is to make sure that we are near God. The absolute most important thing for us to accomplish. Let me get my clicker here. The absolute most important thing for us to accomplish is to make sure that our hearts are near to God. Sometimes I fear that we get caught up in in churches almost like a game. Uh, where we're competing with all the other churches and trying to make sure that we get our rules out there more than others, and folks have to do everything just like us because we've got the right rules and they've got the wrong rules, instead of recognizing that this is is extremely serious business. There are people who are going to be lost and they're going to go to hell because their hearts are not near God. And I don't want that to be me. And I am absolutely assured that you don't want that to be you. And I don't want that to be anyone. The question then for us is how is it that we have hearts near God? What does it take for us to have hearts near to God so that that can be our good and our refuge? So that when we do stand before God in judgment, we won't be the ones that perish. We won't be the ones that fall, but we'll be the ones that have the life. What is that going to take? Interestingly, I think Jesus points out in Matthew chapter 15, a contrast. In Matthew chapter 15, as he talked to the Pharisees, he condemned them saying that their hearts were far from God. And so from this passage, I think we can learn some things about what it means to have our hearts near God. Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 1 says, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered them in verse 3 and said, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? 
For God said, Honor your father and mother, then he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have, that would help you, has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. In verse 7, Jesus said, You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, excuse me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. This defiles the man. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into the pit. I want us to notice some things. Four things from this passage that don't cut it. Four things that give a form of being close to God that might cause us to think that we're close to God. Four things that might cause us to think others are close to God, but it's not being close to God. And then I want us to notice three things that show us how we are close to God. The very first thing, we are not close to God just because we're religious. It's not enough to simply be religious. These people that Jesus was talking to, they were extremely religious very much interested in the ceremonies and the processes of just absolutely following God's law. In fact, all this business of washing hands came to them because of how religious they were. They had read passages like Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 21. In Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 21, it says, When anyone touches anything unclean, whether human uncleanness or an unclean animal or any unclean detestable thing, and eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offerings which belong to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. They continued on reading and they got to Leviticus chapter 11. Beginning about verse 29. Now these are to you the unclean among the swarming things which swarm on the earth, the mole and the mouse and the great lizard and its kinds, the gecko and the crocodile and the lizard and the sand reptile and the chameleon. These are to you unclean among all the swarming things. Whoever touches them when they are dead becomes unclean until evening. Also, anything on which one of them may fall when they are dead becomes unclean, including any wooden article or clothing or skin or a sack, any article of which use is made. It shall be put in the water and be unclean until evening. Then it becomes clean. As for any earthenware vessel into which one of them may fall, whatever is in it becomes unclean and you shall break the vessel. Any of the food which may be eaten on which water comes shall be unclean. And any liquid which may be drunk in every vessel shall be unclean. Everything moreover on which part of their carcass may fall becomes unclean. An oven or a stove shall be smashed. They're unclean and shall continue as unclean to you. And on and on it goes. And these Pharisees, they were very religious and very ceremonial. And they thought to themselves, what happens if I go out into the marketplace and something died on the counter that I touched? And then I go home and I eat. And now I make that food unclean and I put it in my body and, and inside I become unclean. Or even worse, especially during the time of the Roman occupation in which Jesus was living, what if one of those Romans touched one of these bowls that I purchased while they were also in the market? And, and now I've touched it and my hands have become unclean because their uncleanness touched it. They were very religious. You see the point? But what did Jesus say about them? They honor me with their lips, 
but their hearts are far from me. It's not enough to be religious. Interestingly, it's not enough to know the Bible. The Pharisees knew the Bible. In fact, the scribes there, in, when verse 1 when it says some Pharisees and scribes, the scribes' job was to copy the law of God. They spent their lives and their days copying it down and rewriting it and rewriting it over and over again. They knew it. The Pharisees studied it and studied it and studied it because they wanted to know every intricate detail of God's law. These folks knew their Bibles. In fact, while Jesus doesn't specifically doesn't specifically quote it, he makes an allusion to the passage upon which the Pharisees based their whole thing about Corbin or about something being given to God. Interestingly, the Pharisees knew their Bible and all of their rules had some basis in their law. They could loosely claim that it was based on some passage. For instance, this whole business of being given to God, you can look back in Leviticus chapter 27. God did in fact have a law about devoting your property to Him. And what they said was, well, we've devoted this property to God, Mom and Dad, and so we can't help you using what comes from this property. The Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 14 says, If a man consecrates his house as holy to the Lord, then the priest shall value it as either good or bad, as the priest values it, so it shall stand. Yet if the one who consecrates it should wish to redeem his house, then he shall add one-fifth of your valuation price to it, so that it may be his. Again, if a man consecrates to the Lord part of the field of his own property, then your valuation shall be proportionate to the seed needed for it, a homer of barley seed at fifty shekels of silver. If he consecrates his field as of the year of Jubilee, according to your valuation, it shall stand. If he consecrates his field after the Jubilee, however, then the priest shall calculate the price for him proportionate to the years that are left until the year of Jubilee, and it shall be deducted from your valuation. If the one who consecrates it should ever wish to redeem the field, and on it goes talking about this, and interestingly, as we go through this chapter, I don't believe the chapter specifically says exactly what this devoting it to God is going to be done for. The whole tenor of the passage is that it's being used by the priests. But what happened is the Pharisees found this law and they said, oh, well, we devoted it to God. They didn't necessarily give it to the priests, but they certainly weren't going to use it to take care of mom and dad. But here's the point. They knew their Bible. They knew their law. When you ask them, why are you doing this? They could go to Leviticus 27 and say, well, right there. There, there it talks about giving it to God. They knew their Bibles. It's not enough just to know the Bible because here were the Pharisees that knew their Bible and yet God still said to them, Jesus still said to them, in vain do you worship me, teaching His doctrines, the precepts of men. Your lips honor me, but your hearts are far from me. It's not enough to be... Religious. It's not enough to have God on our lips. What did Jesus say there as He quoted Isaiah? This people honors Me with their lips. How many people do we hear that have God on their lips and it's God this and God that and, 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 and everything is just... And we just think to ourselves, man, they are just so much more spiritual than we are. And yet, here are the Pharisees. They had God on their lips. In fact, we go back to Matthew chapter 6 and we find out that... But that's all that they had. They had God on their lips. And in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 2, when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Verse 3, when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and so that your giving will be in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 5, 
Matthew 6, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. The Pharisees had God on their lips. They prayed out in front of everybody. They said all these things in front of everybody so that folks could see their spirituality. That's all they had. Luke chapter 11. In a parallel passage to the one that we've been talking about from Matthew chapter 15. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 37, when he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him, and he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw it, he was surprised that he had not first ceremonially washed before the meal. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside you are full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is within as charity, and then all things are clean for you. What does Jesus point out? They had God on their lips. They had God on the outside, but they didn't have God on the inside. And so they were very much like those folks in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Here were folks who had religion on the outside. They had God on their lips. But God wasn't on the inside and their hearts were not near to God. And when they came to God in judgment, Jesus was going to say, I'm going to tell you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's not enough to have God on our lips. Our hearts must be near God. But one other thing that we learned from Matthew chapter 15, there at the end of of that section of Scripture that we read, the disciples said to Jesus, don't you know that you upset the Pharisees, that they were offended by this? And Jesus said to them, they are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into the pit. What was really sad about all of these Pharisees is the number of people that were just blindly following them. Why? Well, because they were religious and they knew the Bible and they had God on their lips. They must be spiritually minded, great people and so we're just following them. And there's blind people following blind people and what does Jesus say is going to happen to both? He didn't say the blind that were following the blind, He was going to somehow miraculously protect them and just save them because it wasn't their fault they were following the blind. He said that both would fall into the pit. And so you see, it's not enough to follow those who are religious, know their Bibles and have God on their lips. We do that, we might find that we are actually the blind following the blind. All the folks that followed those Pharisees and did just what they said and just went right along with what they were doing fell into the same pit that the Pharisees fell in. These are things that have an appearance of godliness. But it's not being near to God. Our hearts are not near God when we're doing these things. When are our hearts near God? Our hearts are near God when we teach what He taught. When Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, quoting from Isaiah, He said, In vain do they worship Me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. What was the problem? The problem was, even though they knew their Bibles, even though they were religious, even though they had God on their lips, they weren't teaching what God taught. They were teaching the precepts that man had developed. And it certainly looked good. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3 
and verse 5 warns us about these kind of people who teach and look good. They hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. We have hearts near to God. When we're not teaching what men have developed, but we're teaching what God has said, and we're teaching it His way. And we're not twisting it to fit whatever we want. We're just teaching, here's what God said. That's when we have hearts near to God. We have hearts near to God when we obey His Word, His way. There in Matthew chapter 15, what was the big problem that Jesus expressed to the Pharisees? He said, guys, you know what your problem is? You've taken God's law and twisted it to do what you want to do. And it's not enough to be able to loosely base everything you do on some kind of verse. You've got to get in the Word and you've got to be doing God's things God's way. God wants you to honor your mother and your father. And this business of devoting things to God does not relieve you of that law, Jesus points out to them. The law has not been given to us. God's Word has not been given to us in order for us to do just whatever we want. Now listen, I'll just be honest with you. We could. I have no doubt that if we wanted to, we'd take enough things out of context, twist and connect things improperly, and we'll justify just about anything we want. But that's not being near to God. Being near to God means doing what He says, doing it His way. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, "...all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching." for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. God gave us His Word so that we can be equipped for every good work. He gave us His Word so that we can be taught, so that we can be reproved, that is shown where we fall short, so that we can be corrected. It means not just doing things our way, but doing things God's way. And trained in righteousness. Man's way is not God's righteous way. And if we want to be near to God, we've got to obey God His way. Ezekiel chapter 33 ends with an amazing picture. Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning at verse 30. God says to Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 30, But as for you, son of man, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and the doorways of the houses, speak to one another, each to his brother, saying, Come now and hear what the message is which comes forth from the Lord. They come to you as a people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words, but they do not do them, for they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth, and their heart goes after their gain. Behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for so they hear your words, but they do not practice them. God's Word is not to be just like a sensual song. It's not entertainment. We don't gather here to study God's Word. We don't open our Bibles at home and read it in order to just say, hmm, I wonder what God thinks, and then go off and do what we want to do anyway. God's Word is supposed to be a guide for our lives, to train us into every good work. Why? Because we want to be near God. Because being near God is for our good. And if we're far away from God, we're going to perish and be destroyed. And it does us no good to play games with God's Word and try to, and try to see how many people we can please and, and, and coddle and say, you know, we're just worried they, they, they weren't brought up in the church and so they don't understand. And, well, you know, the thing is, we've got to teach them. We're so worried that they may not want to come here with us when we, 
when we teach them what the Bible says, that they're not going to be in heaven with us. Because we don't teach them what it says. This is about being near to God. About going to heaven. It's not about pleasing the world. It's not about our pleasure. It's not about doing what we want. If we want to be near to God, we've got to do God's things and we've got to do them God's way. And the third thing, our hearts are near to God when we do not allow anyone else or anything else to come between us and God's Word. To come between us and God. We don't want to be the blind following the blind. And there is something that absolutely scares me for the religious world today. Because in the religious world today, it is just almost the norm in the churches that are out there to have something between us and God's Word. I'm not talking about Bible class materials or sermons or lessons that are presented to draw us closer to God's Word. But there are churches and organizations that are starting to, and not starting, they've been doing it for hundreds of years, write guidelines that come between the people in those churches and God's Word. And I bring this up not in order to offend anybody, though I have no doubt it will be upsetting. But because when we allow these things to come between us and God's Word, if you allow these things to come between you and God's Word, it's going to be the blind following the blind. And Jesus said what happens there. And we can be soft, and we can be cuddly, and we can try not to tell anybody these things, but in the end, Jesus is going to say to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. And that scares me to death. Because I don't want that to happen because of us. I'll tell you what, we've got churches that uh, they write these books to tell them how things are supposed to be run. The Book of Discipline in the Methodist denomination. Luther's large catechism in which he says God knows nothing better to teach than his book. The Baptist Church Manual or the Baptist Faith and Message Statement. The Catholic Baltimore Catechism. The Episcopalian Book of Common Prayer with its 32 Articles of Religion. The Westminster Confession of Faith used in the Presbyterian Church. The Book of Mormon. Which, you know, interestingly, is the only one I'm actually really allowed to tell you about up here because folks are going to get mad I mentioned all the rest of them, but I'm allowed to bash the Mormons. Isn't that amazing? I was on a radio show in Texas. It was okay to talk about the Mormons' book. But it's offensive to talk about the Presbyterians' book. I'm not telling you this because I want to offend anybody, but because I'm scared for people. Because if we're far from God, if anybody's far from God, what did Psalm 73 say? Psalm 73, verse 27, those who are far from me, will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell all of your works. This is about being near to God. Because we want to go to heaven and we want everyone to go to heaven. 
This is not about pleasing men because we want everybody to like us. We've got to teach what God taught. We've got to do God's things God's way. And we can't let anything come between us and God and His Word. Lest we be the blind following the blind. I certainly hope this has been beneficial to you, helping you learn how to have your heart near to God. If we want our hearts near to God, we've got to say things the way God said them. We've got to obey God the way He wants to be obeyed. And we must not allow anything else to come between us and God. If you have any questions about how to have a heart near to God, about how to glorify and serve Him, about how to overcome the tempter, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please give us a call at 615-794-2359. Or you may contact us through our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this lesson on CD or audio tape. If that's the case, I'd like to invite you to go to that website I just mentioned, franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons there available, both in outline and audio format. Feel free to download and use those in any way that you believe will honor and glorify God and help others overcome the tempter. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.